episode of Not Your Average Operator. It's Paul Mellon McFadden with you, sitting in the sunny Middle East. I'm uh, joined by my dear mates. I've got uh, Mike. How you going, Mike? What's up, Mike? Hey, and is it really always sunny in the Middle East? Every it's, week you say it's, it's dusty sunny. and hot. It's, what can I say? The, the temperature's the same every day. That's and it's, cool. it's, the dust varies. God, but, man. Uh, but how's your week been? Uh, a lot better than yours, apparently. Uh, the uh, weather's been pretty cool here, man. And uh, I don't know why the weather is always such a big deal, but like, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, lots of working out, man. Really honing in on the new PT schedule that I'm trying to get with this coronavirus and everything else going on. But uh, yeah. it's, a, it's been a good week. Yeah, good one, Mark. How about you, Raph? How are you doing there, man? Uh, just kind of same old, just knocking out my prison workouts in my uh, isolation room and uh, just try not to get canceled. So that's about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. I had, a, uh, I had a really good video call with my son today. He was down at a, a park in South Australia. They're, they're obviously over there and I'm here with the coronavirus. And he was uh, strolling around with wombats and koala bears and uh, kangaroos and feeding them. And it was one of those sort of moments you're like, man, pretty special seeing your uh, son getting around with the wild animals. So, uh, my, you know, my day's been good. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to introduce you guys. We've got a uh, special guest tonight. We've got a, a dear mate of mine. I, I flew with him for uh, eight years out here. He's a uh, retired Canadian Forces guy, spent some time enlisted, then he uh, commissioned, become a pilot, uh, very experienced uh, pilot, um, a, a dear mate of mine. We also rode uh, motorbikes together. There's a bit of a crew out here getting around in uh, Harley-Davidson's. He had a, this guy had, we built a bar in his backyard. So we'd go over there and play poker. And I know Raf, Raf uh, did quite well one night. Did you clean up Raf? <laughs> or did you get cleaned out? I can't remember. Well, I, anyway. So listen, I, money obviously for me is no, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Uh, I don't yeah. hold the value that you guys do. So I was, came in, was, I came, I came aggressive. I came proper and, uh, and he called my bluff. So anyways. All right. So in, anyway, long, long uh, intro there, but it's a dear mate. It's James Gordo McElmoyle. Welcome, Gordo. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks. And Raph and, and, and Mike, how are you doing? <clears throat> um, Raph, I, I think you, you, you glommed onto the fact that the, whatever the buy-in was, it was free drinks all night and you just couldn't wait for a second one. So it was all in because I need another drink rather than go get one. But, uh, I had a chance to listen to the podcast. Thanks to Paul. We've talked a little bit in the last uh, week or two and uh, I see what you guys are doing and it's, uh, it's impressed me, you know, it's uh, something I can relate to as a vet uh, much older than some of our crew members here, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I, w- I would have uh, having a good time right now, but I would have loved to have had heard some of this stuff back when I was younger and I, maybe I wouldn't have gone through, as many of the troubled times in my life, if I'd had some, some advice from some older gentlemen. So cheers. Glad to be here. Good one. Like Gordo. Welcome along. You know, we're, that's what we're after here. You know, we're trying to distill out a, a few lessons out of what's worked and what hasn't and try and get some frameworks out for people. So the topic today is, uh, is what have you changed your mind on? Now, this is a, a, 
a question people sometimes struggle with. You know, some people like to lock onto stuff. And so being asked what you've changed your mind on can, you know, cause some deep introspection. And so without any further ado, we'll throw it across to Raf. Raf, what have you changed your mind on, man? Uh, thanks, Melon. So I, you know, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Uh, I've changed my mind on quite a bit. But I think the most significant thing that I can honestly, I can really attest to, um, that I think it's a concrete change, right? Because, you know, things change all the time as new knowledge comes in. But the one thing that I think will stick with me until my last breath is how important it is not to be married to something that you don't love. So most of my life, I would say that I've, I've uh, kind of used up a lot of my energy, um, kind of being married to things. And when I say married, I, I, I'll explain why I'm saying that, but kind of really putting energy in something that, that either a person or a place or a job that I wasn't completely in love with, um, kind of in, not necessarily ignoring the things that I did love, but you know, because I was so engulfed and so dedicated to a job, a career, whatever, I kind of ignored the things that really have been important in my life. And now at the age of 43, I know without a, without a doubt what's important in my life, right? I can name names of the people that I absolutely cherish. I, I family members, um, specific moments in time. Um, so I, I think that, so I think that having that change, because when I was younger, I really thought that I was going to try to connect with as many people as possible, have as many experiences as possible. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but I think that in that process, I indelibly wasted time and I wasted significant energy on, you know, places, things, and people that I, you know, that I didn't necessarily should have spent so much energy on. And I think the person that said it most eloquently, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and Kevin Hart was on there and it was right after he had his accident where he broke his spine in eight places. Um, and I mean the whole, if, if the listeners haven't listened to this specific podcast, this specific podcast, dude, shut this down and go listen to it because it's probably one of the most inspirational two hours I've ever spent. Uh, I've listened to it like four times, but he talks about shortly after he broke his spine, he finds himself in, in the hospital inside these four walls. And he says it dawned on him that everything outside of those walls just weren't in, this wasn't important, right? The fame, the money, the cars, the house, the fact that he had this global fame, it like nothing mattered. Here he was with a broken spine and he couldn't even wipe his own butt. And I mean, I'm not making that up. That's literally his own. He's like, it's true. I couldn't even reach. I couldn't even do that. And it was his immediate friends and his wife and his kids that literally stood by his side and just showed him what love was. And he, and he said, he just, it clicked. And he said, I realized at that moment after I had survived, because it was a, a near death experience that I had been married to my job and I had been dating my family. I've been married to my job, but I've been dating my family. Now that that's his version of it. Right. And I think like, that's what I'm saying. It's the most eloquent way I can put it. So I have been, married to things that I didn't love. And I've been dating things that I have loved in my life, like my wife, um, you know, specific friends and a, a quick example, right? In the military, you don't control your schedule. Like you don't, you don't control the deployments that you go on. You don't control a TDY assignment that you go on. Um, and even sometimes the hours that you would work in a day, but you do control the space between those mandatory requirements for you to be away. And in that space, instead of just giving up to the status quo of like, well, I'm tired, I got home late, 
I'm going to just give my wife a quick kiss and then just go straight to bed. I think that's where you have to fight that, 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 that voice of convenience that, well, you know, I'm tired. We're not going to have a, I'm not really going to have like a moment with my wife or my best friend or whatever. And I'm just going to, we'll do it tomorrow, right? This weekend, we'll do something this weekend because it's Tuesday and it's just going to be better this weekend. And you have to remember, I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm sure you guys all have taken science classes in high school and college, but I remember thinking, um, and I'm kind of just kind of mix all this in the science of decay or what's it called? Um, entropy. entropy. Yeah. It's like from the day that you were born from that day that you were born, your, your whole path from there and not to be n- negative Nelly, but your path is one of decay and destruction, right? Like meaning you are now on your way to death or like I've said this before, nobody's going to make it out of this bitch alive. And I think that if you really, really let that resonate, not so that you're down in the dumps, but just be like, Hey man, your time here is very, very finite. So instead of on that Tuesday night, when you're home, you know, you just came back from a trip. And I think Mike, you're probably the best example of this because your lifestyle is very much you're here, you're gone for training, you're home, you're gone for training. You know what I mean? So in that space, that's where you find that courage. And you're like, no, man, I'm going to like, I know I'm tired, man. I'll, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to talk to my mom. I haven't spoken to her in forever. I'm going to like, sit down. I'm going to tell my wife that I love her. I'm going to do whatever. Maybe in the morning, if I do have that day off, I'll call close friends that I haven't spoken to in a couple of weeks and be like, Hey man, I'm making breakfast. Come over. You know? Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. So you're hit, you're hitting, uh, you're hitting a nail man with me. It's really resonated. And I want to read something. So exactly what you're saying is, having to take that step back and realize like, I got all this stuff going on and you need to make time for the things that are really important in your life. And there's something from a guy named James R. Ward from the OSS. So people that aren't listening to that, the OSS were from World War II and they were one of the first like special operations groups that were formed, okay? And he wrote a little uh, excerpt. It's called Special Forces is a Mistress, okay? And I just wanna read it real quick and listen to it because it is absolutely 100% true uh, for life and exactly what's Rap saying. Your wives will envy her because she will have your heart. Your wives will be jealous of her because of the power to pull you away. This mistress will show you things never before seen and experience things never before felt. She will love you, but only a little, seducing you to want more, give more, and die for her. She will take you away from the ones you love and you will hate her for it but leave her, you never will. But if you must, you will miss her, for she has a part of you that will never be returned intact. And in the end, she will always leave you for a younger man. That doesn't resonate, man. Like, that's the truth. And that sums up, I think, you don't have to be in the special forces. I think you can just be a career anything. Police officer, firefighter, doctors are absolutely a dedicated practice. I mean, they dedicate, I have a couple of friends that are physicians and I know the energy that goes into being that. And if you have the personality that seeks those things, then you already have the dedication to, to achieve those things. And we know what the cost of that is. And I think it's important to do a, a own personal cost benefit analysis. Go ahead, Melon. Raph, what, like I, I, what you have said here is spot on for me. Like I have had these same insights in my life like time being finite that's a real key one for me what was the incident or what was the occurrence or when did this realization dawn on you well so 
It, it was it was a it was a list. It was a, a list of many incidents. Right, it's a, a couple near death experiences. One very very significant in Afghanistan where uh, we were almost taken down. I think three or four times within the span of twenty minutes. Right, uh, things just kept escalating, um, and uh, finally one of the mortars that they lobbed at the helicopter for we landed, you know, literally hit, like missed us by, you know, feet, mere feet. Anyways, that was pretty significant. But also um, in my relationships before I was married and even during the time that I was married, most of my struggles in those relationships really had to do with my mismanagement of time. Um, because I, in my career in the military, I wanted to be synonymous with dependability, right? I wanted people to be like, oh, Raf is the guy. When the toughest assignments come, when we have to work 15 hours, like we know that Raf's going to be there. And it's good to have that, that respect, right, from your peers and from your superiors and, and everyone else. But at the end of the day, you have to do a cost. Like, again, I couldn't always control my schedule. Sometimes I could, but it's those times where I can control it that I, that I have to realize that I just gave up this time and this space, right? I might have gone to TDY, busted my butt, but now that I'm home, when I was dating, when I, now that I'm married, um, I need to make up that time. And I don't need to make it up by just being in the room. I need to make it up by engaging my wife. I need to make it up by playing with Soren, taking my dogs on a walk. But it, Mel, and to answer your question, it, just, it was a series of events. And the older that I got, I started realizing. And also, you know, uh, over a, a couple dozen friends that, have, that have passed, right, that died in their 20s. So it just, it was constantly, I was constantly being reminded, hey man, your time here is very limited. So don't act like you're going to live forever. I mean, that's one of the biggest, I think, sins of, of, my, of my own existence that I, I put things off. But anyways, I, I, I kind of uh, digressed. So, I, so that's an important change. And I, that's one thing that I absolutely changed because I went from trying to impact all these little things and trying to, you know, trying to have these little relationships. And I realized, hey man, you're expending tons of energy throttle back and really, really put the energy on the people that you resonate with, right? At the, like, you know, it sounds corny, but someone that you have like an intimate soul to soul kind of connection like you guys uh, and, and, the, and the things that you really love, right? Like I really love surfing. So instead of traveling to a place that, so instead of just going and trying to seek a passport stamp, why don't I actually go back to a place that my wife and I love, like El Salvador, where we love, like the surfing was so amazing. Right. Instead of just like, let, instead of just trying to be like, oh, let's get a new stamp. Why? It's just a stamp. Why don't we go back to the place that we absolutely loved where we, you know, played in the waves and were like a couple of five-year-olds. All right. So I'll, a quick recap there. So Raf's had some real insights into the importance of not being married to something you don't love and being married to a job, but dating family, the time is finite. And the key triggers was proximity to death and, uh, you know, that realization that time is limited. So good for you, Raf. All right, Mike, what have you changed your mind on? What have I changed my mind? Expectation management, Melon. That is what I have really honestly just learned my lesson in that. So you have something that you're really passionate about. I know we talk about these things and like having goals and whatever it might be expectation management versus going in with no expectations, right? I think as human beings and especially as men or 
in the military, when you're very goal oriented, you're very driven that way. It's just like, I need to know what A, B, C, and D are right now. And that's how it's going to be. There's no alternative. There's nothing else. Like, that's what I want. That's, you know, notice I said want. That's a big word right there. What I want. Well, what you want and what you're going to get are usually two different things. And uh, like I said, I, I've really learned this recently, but uh, I think being able to understand that we truly don't have control of what's going to happen. That is one of the hardest things that we have to deal with in life is the unknown and not being able to see step B when you're on step A or whatever it might be. And, you know, Raf and uh, Melon and I, man, we've had these conversations the last two months, uh, specifically with me and trying to understand and gain a grasp on this whole thing of like, you can't control what you can't control. The future is not set. Uh, God has a plan for you. And I know what you want, but he's got something else. You know, you can look at it 10 different ways and it's, it's good to hear, but then there's always that little voice in your head. That's just going, yeah, that's nice, but I want this so bad. So I'm just going to be stubborn and I'm going to get it. If that's the path that you really take. And let me, I will be honest. That was just me with something that I wanted so bad that I put so much stock into it led me down an ultimate path of disappointment really did everything that I thought was going to happen was just going to be, you know, everything was going to be great. And then it turned around and it's just gone and it was crushing. What's up, Raph? And I, this is just, I just want to add to what you're saying. And this is for the podcast audience. So I know that Mike's being very vague and we'd like to keep it that way. Sort of what he's really talking about is he put in a warrant officer packet and it was denied. So, and it, that's, so I just want to put that out there. So Mike, you got, you got the mic. Yeah. I, I got tired of working with the guys. So I just figured I'd be a turd and just go hide in an office somewhere. So yeah, I put in my warrant package and they said I was too proactive. I don't know what that means, but that's what they told me. Good enough to be a pilot. So yeah, anyways. which is an easy job. Uh, a very, a respectable man told me a monkey could fly a helicopter that it's not hard. So I just want to put that out there too. Well, it was uh, also in Spanish and he doesn't speak Spanish. So he doesn't know what I said. That's fine, man. Whatever El Guapo says goes. All right. It's fine. Um, anyway, back to the real stuff that people want to listen to. Uh, yeah. So expectation management versus having no expectations go into a situation. Okay. Uh, especially I would say more personal life relationships and building that sort of stuff with no expectations. You can't control another person or their feelings or their attitude. They might wake up one day and just get triggered by something and they're just going to go and do their thing. That's fine. You continue as you, as your best self. And at the end of the day, even if things didn't go your way, you can still like stop, take a step back and be like, you know what? Um, I stayed centered. I kept a clear conscience. I didn't let emotion rule me and I'm going to bed feeling like a pretty good dude. You know, 
that's what's important as far as like no expectations, because it's like, man, I, I did everything right today. I just can't control everything. And that's okay. Expectation management is like more work related military, especially where you're like, okay, yes, I can't control everything still, but it's just like, Hey, you know, we didn't get the best deployment lined up. It's going to kind of be not direct action. We're not going out kicking indoors, but we're going to be training these guys. So it's like, don't get, don't get yourself all amped up for, you know, the, the sexiest mission because it's more than likely not going to happen. So, you know, manage that piece. So it's like a little difference there, man. But, uh, that was really the biggest point that, you know, I wanted to share was just expectations and management versus, uh, you know, no expectations. I, and I've said in a much earlier podcast around not having control over the cards that you dealt and all you have is a reaction to the cards that life shows up. You know, you, you, I was given a premature daughter to deal, to deal with and so on. It's not something that you plan. And in the West, we have this, it's like the ultimate illusion that, that the whole West subscribes to is that we can force outcomes, that like we can control things if we just put enough effort and willpower into it. And it sets people up for massive falls and huge stress. And there's a power in having, you know, goals and commitments and principles, but being able to let go of the outcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I going back to uh, that NASCAR story I, I told, I think, uh, in episode one there, I was hanging on to that wheel so tight because I was, I had expectations that I was supposed to be something so freaking hard that I, you know, that that's all I could do. And that was what I was so locked into when probably one of the easiest things, well, it's not easy, but it would have been easier if I would have just let go of that wheel and just said, I'm not in control anymore of this car and just whatever was going to happen was going to happen and just be my best self. And like you said, just be ready to react in a positive way. I think things would have turned out a lot better. Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. So Mike's points there around expect expectation management. You can still hold your goals, but you go in with no expectations and uh, what you want versus what you might get given by God. And uh, you know you don't have control of outcomes. All right, great. All right, so throwing over to our uh, Canadian reprobate who's parked his bike, he's pulled his uh, aircraft up at the end of the runway and... Uh, Gordo's joining us from Vermont, so jump in here, Gord. What's What have you changed your mind about? Well, yeah, Melon, thanks for that. I mean, you gave me that topic, you know, maybe three or four days ago. I was thinking about it, and, you know, and, and I'm not surprised that I've already heard two guys talk about, you know, some of its goals and some of its uh, expectations that in the military um, that we change our minds on over, over time. I mean, I'm lucky to be survived my tours, uh, but I can remember, you know, uh, you know, of course I've changed my mind on a million things, but I thought of one of them, which, you know, kind of drove my military career and who I was for a long time. You know, I joined the military in 1982, Canada just bought the F-18 Hornets. I wanted to be a Hornet pilot, like every kid that saw it in an air show. You know, I joined the Air Force, <clears throat> trying to impress dad and do everything I could. Um, I worked on F-18s for, geez, near 10 years. Uh, part of that, you know, uh, another thing that, you know, when you're young, 
that whole phrase of be all you can be. Everybody's just striving to, you know, you forget about everything else in your life and it's work, work, work. You know, I heard Raf talk about volunteering with deployments. You know, I, I volunteered for Gulf War One, and my wife didn't even know I did. You know, it wasn't even a discussion. It was like, I'm going, you know, if we're at Canada's going to war, I'm going, you know, uh, uh, and that's kind of where you go through when you're young yet. You, you, you're working so hard to get ahead or to do the right thing, looking for, you know, uh, I think I heard, uh, the, the, uh, Mike, the, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for your boss's, you know, feedback and stuff like that. But even though I was a technician, I always wanted to be a pilot still. I always wanted to be an F-18 pilot. So, you know, luckily, you know, my bosses eventually saw through my shenanigans and, and commissioned me from the ranks. So, of course, then my whole framework was about, okay, now I've actually, I'm, you know, I felt like I'm halfway there, right? I can be a, I can be a Hornet pilot. All I got to do is be the best. So you throw everything into that, you know, topping your class in this course and stuff like that. And Raph talked about being, you know, the, the married too. You, you're, you become married to your job at some point and you're forgetting about your family. You know, I won't deny I lost a wife in that process uh, of becoming a pilot. Um, just because my whole focus, that's all it was. I got to, I got to do this. I got to do the best. And then, you know, I, as I graduated, I became an instructor pilot. You know, at first it was a disappointment. You know, you know, I didn't make Hornets. Okay. Well, you know, the bosses are telling you, well, if you keep at it, you keep at it. You, you know, do your best you can. You'll get your choice. Blah, blah, blah. So of course you back nose to the grindstone again. And now you've got this new goal is like, if, if I do the best I can, if I get the best officer rating of the year, you know, I'll get my, my goal. <clears throat> the things you forget though, is your family's growing up, your wife's sitting at home and you're on these deployments and flying all the time and doing everything you can. And you're missing some of the best parts of, of, of their lives because you're trying to work so hard towards your goal. I don't want to tell anybody out there that, you know, don't have a goal, but don't make it the only thing. I mean, you know, I, I for years, it was the only thing I wanted. Years later, you know, I'm still in uh, the training grounds, still training. I'm moved all the way up to the top of that place. And they're going, man, you're so good at this. And I'm going, yeah, but I still want to go Hornets. And then they go, but why? You're really good at this. And that's where I eventually kind of clicked. Do I need to be a Hornet pilot to justify who I am as a pilot? Um, I think Raph was talking about that before, is, is striving so hard to get that assault helicopter thing and thinking, you know, the medevac thing was kind of beneath them. You know, and some of us look at that as the training guys. You know, it's the guys that can't be operators got to be the trainers. Eventually, I'm going, I'm pretty damn good at this. Not only that, I'm getting older. Do I want, why do I want the F-18 so bad? You know, is it, is it because I'm trying to prove something to somebody? Um, all my young mates, of course, I'm about 10 years older than most of the guys I went through pilot training with. 
you know, they're all, you know, their next step has got to be fighters. Do I want the deployments away from the family? You know, in training, you don't spend a ton of time away from the family as long as your mindset is at home. So there was a time, and I, I, I can kind of remember when it happened. It was like, you know, another marriage, and it was getting a little rocky, and I'm kind of wondering, what the hell is going on? And sure enough, it was like, you know, I'm working 12 hours a day at a training ground. You know, we're training. You know, we're not at war here. You don't have to, you know, so it kind of, it was a, it was a, a bit of a freedom by changing going, I don't, I don't need to be a Hornet pilot. It's not that I didn't want to, don't get me wrong. So would have loved to, but do so, I need to anymore? Go ahead. Yeah, Gordo. So it sounds, you know, something that's been told to me and it's really resonating with me is when's enough enough. Somebody asked me that once is because any career that you can go into, there's always the next tier. There's always the next level that you could get into no matter what it is. When is it going to be enough? You know, a really good buddy of mine asked me the one time, he's just like, Hey man, you want to go to this unit. Why? You know, is it because of the mission? Is it because of this, like whatever it is, when is enough going to be enough? Do you want to go out on 50 missions? Do you want to have one big mission? You know, uh, do you want to kill 50 bad guys, a hundred bad guys? Like when is it going to be enough for you to be able to sit back and go, I'm satisfied with what I've been through and what I've accomplished professionally as a man, whatever it might be. I think, I think people really need to sit back and you don't have to pinpoint it, but you maybe put yourself in the arena of, Hey, what's realistic? What can I accomplish? And when's it going to be enough to have that balance with family and everything else that's going on in your life? So I, I think that's a great thing, man. Go ahead, Raph. Well, I was going to say, I think, and I think Mike, you just kind of alluded to this. I think it is important that we don't dismiss our own personal ego, right? I mean, that's at the core of us, you know, trying to be Hornet pilots, trying to be whatever in the special operations world. It's, it's our own personal sense of achievement. That's, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with a little, with a, with a healthy level of, of ego. But at the same time, I think what everyone's like, you know, with all this wisdom after so many years of failures and, and, you know, giving up things, you start to realize like, yeah, that's, that is important, but that shouldn't be 99% of your life, right? Like why you're trying to achieve these things, stop, stop every other day and be like, where am I? Where's my family? Where are my friends? Where are the things that really matter? Go ahead, the, the, a, a piece of that is like, who made the decision? Who, who came up with this goal? It was me. It was a younger version of me who had less knowledge and less wisdom and less experience. And now I'm tied in by this younger version who had all these deficiencies compared to me. And I feel like I can't change the goal. Like that, that is a real uh, reality. I think for a huge number of people out there that a goal has been decided on and there's this sense of, well, I'm failing if I'm changing. Whereas you're, you're a person with more information, more wisdom, more knowledge, your best place to keep deciding and keep reacting in the moment. But we feel stuck. Yeah. And I also, you know, I, I think, you know, and we're all long-term kind of vets in, in the military and 
one of the things that the military looks for in people is, is that dedication, that professionalism and that work ethic. I mean, but there's an extreme to that. And I, I'm hearing other guys say it too. And I know I was in it is like, you can become a workaholic doing stuff that just doesn't need to be done. And you, you, you can find you at a point where you think I'm expendable. I'm not expendable. Sorry. It's just like you're going, Oh, they can't do anything without me. I've got to do it all. And you, and you can get into some of those jobs and it's just, you know, it, I got to remind the younger guys is like, is like, you can't forget the family. You know, I think that was probably the one thing I learned about my 21 years, 21 and a half years is if I could have spent more time with the family, I would have. Paul. That's, that's uh, very personal Gordo to share that. And I really appreciate that, mate. So Gordo's points, there really sort of hot on the heel of wrath around a focus on family while still achieving goals. And this is a person who has achieved a lot of goals and, uh, and has delivered. So that, that's a really great thing to share. So uh, finally coming over to me, the thing that I've changed my mind on is that changing your mind is okay. Like I used to be really set when I was young. I was like, no, I really knew stuff. You know, I've thought about this and I've, I've got those goals that we've all been discussing or I've got these decisions have been made and uh, I had a real sense that there's strength in holding to an opinion or strength in holding to a point of view. And definitely as I've gotten older, I have really, I can see that the strongest and wisest leaders and the strongest and wisest people are the ones who are able to change their point of view based on new information. And I know that certainly in politics it's seen as a, as a real weakness, but I think that that's a massive failure. So I'm not, not going to in, jump into that sort of mess. But I like to sort of think now that I've got well-researched but loosely held positions and that if new information comes in, I'm not holding onto that position so tightly that I'll disregard new information and that I'll be able to try and take uh, – this information is coming to try and get towards something that's more accurately a reflection of the truth. Um, and then the behaviors that are going to come out of that will flow naturally from, the, from those beliefs. So I, I used to be really like, no, nah, you know, I've, I've made my decision. Information's come in and that's that. Whereas now I'm much, much more flexible. And I know that this definitely came out for me in, my experiences with my daughter Annie in the neonatal unit. And again, when uh, my wife had cancer, that there was pretty, some pretty fundamental beliefs about how life was going to go that got shook and I couldn't hold to them. And I had to be willing to release. I had to be willing to take in new information. I had to be willing to come up with new positions. And I will say now I, I, I feel much more adaptable. I, I, I trust Melon in the future to continue to do this. I don't feel like he has to be bound to this decision that I make now at this age in 2020. I really trust him to keep adapting and changing as, as better and more information comes in. So, you know, my big one is really like the importance of not changing your mind. I used to think it was really important and now I'm not. Like my daughter homeschools. I used to think homeschooling was a very strange thing. And now globally, there's this online uh, schooling happening with coronavirus and stuff. And all of a sudden, it's, it's not the case. There's, there's 
a whole raft of things then followed in. Like if you can change your mind about stuff, like, well, for me through the experiences with the real health challenges, it was don't delay happiness, you know, rather than working for success, it was like working for happiness and fulfillment because you never know when that moment's going to come that you finally get to be happy. You know, that there could be a vehicle accident that day, like that could be the end of you. And so a whole raft of hurdles and barriers that I was placing between myself and experiencing happiness or experiencing fulfillment and meaning. I was like, that's all just like a really fallacious way to live. Like going through life, like I'll be happy at some point in the future rather than being happy now was a belief I had. And I was like, get us in that bad boy and bring the happiness into the moment that I'm in now. Um, you know, and then a whole sense of stuff around happiness versus fulfillment versus success. And I know as a young guy, I was really pushing that success train and I'm hearing that really resonate among the four of us. And then I was like, is it happiness? And I feel like happiness is like a, a moment that comes and goes and things have to line up, but then there's a fulfillment path where things can sustain over time where you're taking actions, you know, are right in pursuit of goals that you believe in and you're running your life according to principles. So anyway, I, I, I changed my life. I changed my mind that changing your mind was bad. And I'm like, crack on. If you get better information in and you hold to the previous plan, then you're a fool. You know, you should be adapting to the situation as it actually appears. Well, Melon, I mean, just to kind of underscore what you just said, it's, I think in my mind, what you're saying you're basically de defining the evolution of, of, of yourself, right? Like you're evolving as you're getting new information, you're getting new truths. You realize like, Oh, I was completely wrong. Not you're, you're deliberately kind of, you know, you're evolving, which is good. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not like you're just changing. You're just, you know, changing your mind. Like you're changing your knickers. I mean, you're, you're literally, you're absorbing new information and assessing, you know, emotions and, and, and all that stuff. And the fact that you're aware and very, in tune with it is that's, I mean, that's literally, I think what kind of helps shape and, and prepares you for, you know, the, the short or the long-term future. And like, I'm trying to have like principle based decision-making and that if so new info comes in, it's not like I just chop and change day to day. Like I have a, a principle or an ethic that I'm working under and if new information comes in and there's a, a different way of behaving that is in accordance with that, principle, then I, I will, like right now, I just jet, jettison stuff and change in the moment. Like I think there's a an adaptability or a mobility that we see in good leaders that some people, you know, military leaders, we know those guys who are able to react really fast and get inside the enemy decision loop and, so, and all that sort of stuff. And yet sometimes we're like, as an individual, you need to, you made your mind up once and that's it. And I reckon that that is like a recipe for a life of uh, with a lot of suffering in it. Jump in, Gorda. I'm just going to jump on that one, and 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 Paul, Paul, will be able to totally relate to the the guy I'm talking about. But uh, he was, you were talking about delaying the happiness factor. Is you know, I wouldn't say I waited till I'd met Cuffs, uh, our good buddy, but you know, we and you guys had a talk about mantras, which I haven't heard yet. But it was like his was who's having more fun than us, and it was hard to not say no one because. That's living in the now. I mean, uh, the one thing we do, and, and again, looking too far in the future, we all know God has planned changes, and uh, we could talk about those another day for you mentioned a motor vehicle accident. Well, that can change your life in a second, right? As you well know, Paul, or cancer, as you know, and I know. 
Um, so yeah, living in the moment, you know, that's, you know, if I could go back 30 years to tell me what I should be doing more of, and that should have been who's having more fun than us and just living in that moment, enjoying the profession that the military gives us. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. You know, I worked in the military division, whether it was active service or contractors for my whole career, you know, 30, what was that? 37 years of it. I don't, I wouldn't, don't, no regrets, but my only regrets is maybe I should have been living a bit more in the moment. Are you living in the moment now, Gordo? Sitting in Vermont? Oh yeah. Casting off a frothy and smoking a stogie. Here in cigars, brother. A couple of years ago, Gordo and I, we made it up to uh, Mount Rushmore and, and that whole region, the Black Hills for the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And there was very few people there who was having more fun than us. I can attest to that. All right, guys. So I want to just thank uh, Gordo for jumping in and joining us. Uh, from Thanks for having me. From his, his yard there in Vermont, sitting there with the sun shining and, and enjoying a, a cold one. So to recap, Raf's points were the importance of not being married to something you don't love. So married to job but dating family and that time's finite. Mike had uh, expectation management with goals versus going in with no expectations, like still living with goals, but recognizing there's no control of outcomes. Gordo had a whole really great piece there about focusing on family and, you know, having your goals, but not throwing everything else away. And I love this line at the end there about, you know, living with a mantra of who's having more fun than us. I reckon that is awesome. And my point was that, uh, you know, you should be changing your mind as, as you're gaining more information and more experience, you should be processing that and you should be reacting and that the individual who sticks to a previously held goal or previously held position could be a fool in the face of a changing situation. So uh, from all of us here at Not Your Average Operator and our special guest, James Gordon McElmoyle, thanks for joining us. We've been getting some uh, really great comments. There's been uh, some fantastic reviews up on the different podcast services, and we really uh, appreciate that. We read all of them. We've uh, responded some, to some great emails, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys about what you have changed your mind on. What's the, what's the thing that you used to believe and you don't believe anymore, or th- how did things shift, and what was the point that shifted for you? So once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week at Not Your Average Operator.